0: Hello, I'm Amanda Jezik, IDSA's Senior Vice President for Public Policy and Government Relations. Welcome to IDSA's COVID-19 podcast series that aims to keep IDSA members, medical professionals, and the public informed during this pandemic by talking with experts in the field of infectious diseases. In this episode, we'll be talking with Dr. Susan Klein, Medical Director for Infection Prevention at the University of Minnesota. Dr. Monica Gandhi, Associate Chief of the Division of HIV, Infectious Diseases, and Global Medicine at UC San Francisco, and Dr. Jason Newland, Professor of Pediatric Infectious Diseases at Washington University, about how to summer safely. Thank you for joining us today. Dr. Klein, with vaccinations more widely available and the recent revision of CDC's guidance on masking, does this mean life will go back to normal, so to speak, this summer? Are there some precautions that everyone should still take? We're not quite back to normal.
1: And I, I know the the CDC guidance which came out just a few days ago saying that fully vaccinated people after two weeks after their their last vaccine can now stop wearing masks in both indoor and outdoor spaces is something that I think each individual person has to decide if if that's the right thing for them. You know, some high-risk individuals or some people who are not comfortable with that may still want to continue to wear masks in crowded spaces, especially indoor crowded spaces. You know, we have to keep in mind that a, a fairly large percentage of the population still has not been vaccinated And so those people still should continue all the masking and social distancing guidance, trying to keep six foot distance away from others. Because those people, the unvaccinated, are still at risk of acquiring COVID. And also we know that even with vaccines, they're not 100% effective. They are quite good, about 95% effective with the mRNA vaccines but still not hundred percent. So there are precautions everyone should still take. And some of those things would be, you know, if if you're sick, you still need to think about getting tested and quarantining and not mixing in public if you're having symptoms. We do know there is about a 5% risk of breakthrough, even with the vaccines that are 95% effective. And although those people are less likely to spread it, there still is a possibility with symptomatic infection that some of those individuals might be able to spread it. So we still have to be cautious, I think.
0: Dr. Gandhi, as Dr. Klein said, many people are still unvaccinated. Given that vaccination rates are much lower than what is needed to reach herd immunity, is it safe for people to start gathering this summer? Should the size of gatherings still be limited? And how do factors like indoor versus outdoor and the quality of ventilation impact our risk? It is
2: important to have this discussion right after the CDC changed their mask guidance because they really were on May 13th trying to signal the effectiveness of the vaccines. The two things that they were going on, and they cited specific studies in their press release, were that although the clinical trials showed a 95% efficacy, In the real world, what's called the effectiveness or how they're doing in the real world seems even higher than that. And so, for example, they've been tracking breakthrough infections. In terms of breakthrough infections of over 115 million Americans vaccinated, there's only about 6,000 symptomatic breakthrough infections, which is 0.0005%. And then in terms of people who actually get sick, luckily it's about six in a million. So very, very rare to be ill with COVID-19 after vaccination. And that's, I think, why they essentially were trying to signal the effectiveness of the vaccines. The transmission data is also really good in the sense that asymptomatic infection after vaccination, we have now 11 studies or so that show the one they cited in the in the CDC guidance was about a 92% reduction in asymptomatic infection after getting the vaccine. So this was individual guidance that they were giving to really give people confidence in the effectiveness of the vaccines. The way they indicated on their guidance is that no gathering has to be restricted if you're vaccinated, meaning there wasn't a specific size right now, because there is a mixture of vaccinated and unvaccinated, as Dr. Klein said, public spaces will be expected to continue to wear a mask for the vaccinated. It's actually just a social norm really at this point, And it is polite to do that, but it really was indicating the effectiveness of the vaccine. So if there's a fully vaccinated gathering, I agree with the CDC that there's no specific size that that gathering can be if everyone's fully vaccinated. And then in terms of children, they indicated, well, those are lower risk individuals. And because it's so difficult to transmit after vaccination, there can be a mix of children in that group.
3: I love that data you just stated with the, the 0. 0.000, then a number at the end percent, which is so reassuring from for the vaccinated breakthrough infections. And there is no doubt, I'd just add that, you know, ventilation, being outdoors has been so impactful, like these outdoor gatherings. While I would hope everyone is vaccinated, uh, it is the risk with unvaccinated people just goes down, though I would probably be wanting to wear masks for those unvaccinated people, as has been stated. But thank, thanks for providing that, Dr. Gunning.
0: Thank you. And Dr. Newland, could you comment more on the recommendations for children, particularly those under 12 who cannot yet receive the vaccine? Should they continue wearing masks?
3: Well, I think Dr. Ghani mentioned that, you know, they are at a little, have been at less risk, so we do know that children can not only get the virus, maybe it sometimes seems to be a little less from large data, especially less than 10, but they also can definitely transmit the virus. And I think early on in the pandemic, there's a lot of notion that, oh, you know, our little ones less than 10 don't seem to be giving it to people, though there's been some good household transmission studies that have demonstrated that it really didn't matter how old you were if you're in a house with someone that's infected whether you're 5 or 3 you're going to you can transmit covid-19 so with that being said you know our less than 12 aren't vaccinated yet we know that and they're unlikely to be vaccinated until the fall so the summertime is they're just like last year in indoor settings with these less than 12 year olds we they should be wearing masks. I mean, I think we've seen that in schools, in different camps indoors. You wear masks and you do our other strategies like doing some distancing, though it doesn't have to be at the six feet. If you keep people out of those environments when they're not sick or when they're sick, right? So if you're ill with COVID 19 like symptoms, you don't go to those. We can have low to rare transmission. So I would say that these less than 12 for the summer. If you're indoors with these groups, wear the mask. We've seen them do it. It's been amazing to watch a three or four-year-old walk in a supermarket with a mask on. We can do that at camps, we can do that at school. Outdoors, I think it's a little different. You could not have the mask on. They can be out mingling and doing things now. If there's going to be 50 of them all hanging out on a playground, a mask would make me feel better, though the transmission risk is going to be lower. Go to the pool, have them go to the pool. They don't have to wear the mask in the pool. Do these other things that they can do. and. It's it's safe, but I think in the end, we're all gonna be happy when we can get, when we can get these kids less than 12 vaccinated as well, because that's just gonna provide additional protection to a lot of other individuals, including our children.
4: IDSA and the CDC present the COVID-19 Real-Time Learning Network, timely COVID-19 information curated by clinicians for clinicians. Be the first to know. Visit IDSA's COVID-19 Real-Time Learning Network for the latest COVID-19 resources for the frontline healthcare community. Go to COVID19LearningNetwork.org.
0: Dr. Klein, let's talk specifically about traveling this summer. What should people consider before planning trips?
1: Well, you think about where you're going or what the rates are there, and certain destinations do have higher rates of ongoing community transmission now than others. And then you have to think about where um, you're going and how you're going to get there. Are you going to go by car? Private car is, you know, you can travel basically however you like, but if you're going on public transportation, then you're still going to be required to wear a mask. So planes, buses, trains—you know—you're mixing a lot of different people in a relatively small enclosed space. So there still are requirements for masking in those areas. And then you have to think about, you know, international travel. There may be additional requirements, and they may require you to be tested before you travel, and then when you come back. But for traveling within the U.S. now, if you're vaccinated, those guidelines have been removed for testing before and after travel. And then I think the other complicated thing is if you have a mixed family, (laughs) meaning some are vaccinated and some are not, especially children who can't get vaccinated yet, you need to think about, you know, how is that going to affect where you're going and follow the guidance that Dr. Newland was talking about with uh, still masking for the younger children. And then also, I think you have to think about who you're going to visit other family members, the elderly, for instance, or immunocompromised, they're going to be at higher risk for problems. And we know that people who have had solid organ transplant, for instance, even after vaccination, only about 50% have evidence of protective immunity on antibody testing. So with individuals like that, if you're gonna be in close contact, you need to take some additional precautions.
0: Dr. Gandhi, Dr. Klein mentioned international travel and how there may be some additional um, requirements if you're traveling outside of the U.S. Can you elaborate on any additional considerations people should keep in mind if they're planning international travel this summer?
2: Just going back to one thing Dr. Nguyen said, yeah, the outside is so safe that I think there's going to be a summer camp guidance release this week. I've heard inside information that kids don't have to mask outside in summer camp. I wanted to mention that because I think there's been a lot around that. Going to the international setting, right now, the CDC guidance says you don't have to test before you get on a plane unless the um, particular country requires it. There is a requirement to test when you come back to the United States from an international setting, even if you're vaccinated. That may change, but that's how the guidance stands right now. Europe has opened up for vaccinated individuals and their unvaccinated children, not because the risk is zero, like Dr. Newland said, but because there is a lower risk in children and also because masking is required on public transportation, including planes. And that will probably be true, at least has been extended till September 13th in the United States. So it is appropriate and fine to go internationally, just just follow the guidance there. But because vaccinated people are so much unlikely to transmit, I would think about places maybe that have higher rates of vaccination, which is where Europe is getting, which is why they opened it up to US travelers and likely not to go into a place that is still unfortunately having high rates of community transmission without adequate vaccination
4: Distinction, excellence, service. Set yourself apart today. Become a fellow of IDSA. Visit idsociety.org slash to apply by May
0: 31st. I'd like to get some final thoughts from each of you. With public places opening up, the weather getting warmer, mask requirements loosening, does this indicate that the pandemic is over? And can we expect life to be back to normal this summer? Dr. Newland, let's start with you.
3: So the pandemic's not over. I think Dr. Klein did a great job summarizing that at the beginning. We are so close. The light is bright that, that there is an end, but there's still a, a large, there's still groups that aren't vaccinated. We know that as of today, 37% of our country is, of adults are fully vaccinated. We need to continue working toward more vaccine vaccinations and we know that there's going to be the groups that just aren't going to get it. Um there's a group there's a lot of people right in the middle that are waiting to see more data on the safety of these vaccines. And we have the children and being a pediatric infectious disease physician as a member of the pediatric infectious disease society, IDSA and others, we know that vaccines in the end is the way forward and to an end. We are excited that the pediatric trials are ongoing. We're excited to see the 12 to 15 year olds being vaccinated, but we have to follow the safety and we got to see the safety data. We need those trials so that we can vaccinate more. Because as Dr. Klein mentioned, there are some groups that don't have the immune response that others do. And so there are vulnerable people out there. So the more people that we can be vaccinated, the more protection we provide to our communities, our society, and the sooner I am to going to a like blues hockey game with a packed arena for a playoff game, which unfortunately won't happen this year.
0: Dr. Klein, any final thoughts from you? You know, there are a lot of people that
1: still need to get vaccinated, in particular children. The Vaccination rates across this country are still quite variable. Epidemiologists report in the New York Times that 70% of U.S. population needs to be vaccinated before most activities can be resumed without precautions. We still have a ways to go to get to that 70% mark. It's really important that we try to increase accessibility to vaccination for adults, get it out to those that haven't had a chance to be vaccinated yet.
0: Dr. Gandhi,
1: final thoughts on summering safely? I think why the CDC did this last week,
2: and I actually commend them for it, was trying to give motivation for vaccination. And I do recognize that it seemed uh, confusing because we were not yet at those 70% vaccination rate that President Biden had set for a goal for July 4th. And I think we are going to get there. I think each state is going to decide themselves. But I really think they were trying to signal the incredible effectiveness of the vaccines and encourage all adults and children who were able to, to get the vaccine. And so I'm going to give them a lot of credit for it. In terms of where, when we're going to get there, I actually think that 70% first dose vaccination rate among adults over 16 and as many uh, adolescents, 12 to 15, that can get it is a very clear sign of likely when we're almost back to normal. Why? Because when we look at places that are vaccinating faster than we, which there are about three countries now, Israel, the UK and Bahrain, even with not being able to vaccinate little children, they are looking at very low case rates. And even despite opening up like the U.S. is hoping to open up, it is pretty amazing how effective these vaccines are. So when do I think it's going to be, you know, I guess people call it the new normal. I do think that July 4th is a good date for us to look forward to, to feel that's going to be as normal as it gets after a pandemic.
0: At this time, I'd like to thank Drs. Klein, Gandhi, and Newland for their time, participation, and expertise. For the latest information and resources on the COVID-19 pandemic, visit IDSA's website, idsociety.org, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Tune in next time as another diverse panel of medical experts discusses the latest on this rapidly evolving pandemic. I'm Amanda Jessick.
4: The views and opinions expressed here are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Involvement of CDC should not be viewed as endorsement of any entity or individual involved with the podcast.